0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: If you look at the false doctrines that plague churches today, that plague Christianity, they've been around for centuries. Just come back in another form, in another way. Well, legalism, and that's what Paul is dealing with, legalism always exalts man and lowers Christ because it teaches that somehow we can be acceptable to God through our good works, through things that we do.
0: Legalism is something we don't necessarily think about today. It seems like something that happened in biblical times. It's history. But Pastor Ed reminds us today that legalism is still around, just in different forms than we might imagine. Any teaching that takes the focus off of Jesus and places it on us falls under that category and is dangerous. It minimizes salvation and places unbearable burdens on us. That is never the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. Now here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 1, with part 2 of his message entitled, Safeguarding Your Faith.
1: By obedience doing the will of God, there is joy in our lives. And we're told to consciously rejoice in difficult situations. It's not easy, but you rejoice in his promise, in his presence. You rejoice in the strength that he gives. Now, that's the first basic. But he goes on and he repeats himself. He says... Finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. He repeats himself and repeats himself. Well, repetition is important. Oftentimes we look for the novel, the different. We want something that will just, a new twist on it. Paul the Apostle says, repetition is essential, it's important. He says, I tell you the same things. Peter says, it's necessary. You know these things, but I want to tell you again. It's a safeguard for your spiritual life. We need to know the Apostles' Creed. We need to know the basic tenets of faith. And we need to hear them again and again and again and again. Repetition is important. Uh, A mature Christian does not shy away from hearing the old, old story. As the songwriter said, I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. Listen to the refrain, I love to tell the story, pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet, I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. To hear that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended to heaven, that he's coming back again. Tell it to me again and again and again. It's a safeguard. Don't run after novelty, a new twist on the gospel, something that's going to be something that people have never heard before. No, no, no. That's, that's the wrong direction. Paul says, I have no problem with telling you again and again and again and again. I read about a preacher... Who had come to the church. It was a new pastor. And he preached the first week. And people were very excited about the message. They talked about it after the service. And so the second week, he preached it again. And I thought, well, all right. But the third week came and he preached the sermon again. And the deacons were wondering, you know... Uh, We need to talk to our new pastor. And so they had a board meeting, they talked to him, and they said, Pastor, that was a great sermon, but we've heard it three times. Uh, When are you going to preach something different? He says, Well, when you get it. That's when I'll start preaching something different. When you start practicing it. Well, we need to hear the truth so that they get inside of us, and we begin practicing and living. And Paul says... It's important. It's basic to hear it. Repetition is important. Then he says something else. How do you safeguard your faith? Well, rejoice in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you're joyful in the Lord, it's less likely the enemy will be able to tempt you and pull you out of the Christian faith. It's when you're discouraged and disheartened The enemy can easily bait temptation and pull you away from God. But when you're happy in the Lord and joyful in the Lord, the enemy's temptations have less of an attraction over your life. And remember the basics. Go back to the basic teachings of the church. They're a safeguard for your soul. But there's something else. Reject the extremes. Reject the the extremes. In Philippians 3, 2, he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. What Paul the apostle is doing is he's referring to what we call Judaizers. These were men who went out from Jerusalem and they followed Paul. When he established a new church, they would tell these Gentiles, in order to be really a child of God, you have to Follow Judaism. Paul's giving you only a part of the gospel. Yes, you must believe in Christ, but you also must be circumcised. You also must keep the Jewish feast. You also must observe the Jewish rituals. Faith in Jesus is all we need. Jesus plus takes away from Jesus. Grace plus works destroys grace completely. And Paul the Apostle is trying to emphasize to them that it's salvation in Christ. And he calls these teachers, these teachers, dogs. Now, for us, dog may be a derogatory term, but it doesn't mean the same thing to us as it did to them. Because back then, they didn't have pets that were dogs you know today you may know your neighbors dogs name but you don't know your neighbor alright I mean people walk in their dogs in the neighborhood and and uh, they say hi to the dog and they pass up the neighbor uh, so dogs uh, don't have the same uh, connotation to us as it did to the New Testament church in those days Dogs were more like wolves. They roamed in packs. They were scavengers. Uh, people didn't have them as pets. A more likely equivalent would be to call someone a rat. Now, Jews called the Gentiles dogs. It was a derogatory term. And so what he's doing right now is he's calling these religious people a derogatory term. He's using shock value. He's trying to wake them up so that they see, that they hear, that they pay attention. It's Sort of like the principal in the high school who was having trouble with the, it was a junior high, having trouble with the girls putting lipstick on the mirrors in the girls' bathroom. Girls would put the lipstick on and then they would sort of kiss the mirror to get it just write or something, the lipstick, and they would just do that. And all these uh, lipstick marks were on the mirror, and it was so hard to get it off. It was so hard to remove those lipstick marks from that mirror. The custodians were frustrated. They complained to the principal, and so the principal decided to give them an object lesson. She met with all of the girls and went into the uh, girls' bathroom, and uh, she said, listen... uh, The custodians have a very difficult time getting all the lipstick marks that you're placing on the mirrors off. You you have to stop because they have to stay here extra and it it takes a lot of work. And uh, those junior high girls look so smug and uh, you knew that they weren't getting it. So she said, I just want you to see how hard they have to work to get these lipstick marks off. And so, what they did was, uh, they took a mop, and she said, watch what the custodians have to do. And then they plunged it into the toilet, and they, they watched the mirrors. <laughs> well, there was shock value in for those girls. <laughs> They're not gonna kiss those mirrors anymore. What Paul the Apostle is doing is trying to shock them. He's saying, these teachers, instead of being holy men, are like dogs. Like these wild animals roaming through the streets. He wanted them to pay attention. To say, we're going to avoid these teachers. It's amazing that years before, in Acts chapter 15, the question was all settled. They had a council. They made a decision that the Gentiles would not have to come under... the laws of Judaism, they would have to follow all of those laws and Jewish regulations. It says in Acts chapter 15, and now are you going to correct God by burdening the Gentiles with a yoke that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? Don't you believe that all are saved in the same way by the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so they already made that decision, but some people didn't get it or didn't listen false doctrine dies hard even though it's settled the question has been dealt with they continue to flourish through the years and decades and the centuries if you look at the false doctrines that plague churches today that plague Christianity they've been around for centuries just come back in another form in another way well, legalism, and that's what Paul is dealing with, legalism always exalts man and lowers Christ because it teaches that somehow we can be acceptable to God through our good works, through things that we do. It was John Ruskin, and he talks about teaching here, I believe, he says, that the root of almost every schism and heresy from which the Christian church has ever suffered has been the effort of men to earn rather than receive their salvation. Someone also said, one era is a bridge to another era. When we get into false teaching, it always leads us further and further away from God. It makes His presence more distant And so here Paul the Apostle is using the strongest possible terms. He's saying, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil. What they were doing, they were considering good. They were saying, listen, follow this observance, that observance. They considered it evil. Paul said, uh, they considered it good works. Paul considered it an evil work because in people's minds it was making them think that they could earn their standing with God. When you were saved and accepted Christ and you asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, what works did you bring to win His favor? No, you came with nothing in your hand. As a songwriter says, simply to the cross you clung. Well, salvation is that way. It's that way when you first get saved and it's that way all through the journey of faith. You can't come to God and say, Dear Lord, I'm acceptable to you today because I've been tithing for 30 years. God, I know you're going to hear my prayer today simply because I am doing all these good works of benevolence for people. No, God hears us on the basis of grace and mercy. Everything we receive from him is his loving Character reaching out to us. And Paul did not want them to get into a religion where they felt, oh, because I read my Bible and because I pray, God's going to hear me. Well, we ought to read our Bible and we ought to pray. But we do it not to earn brownie points with God. We do it because we want to love the Lord and serve the Lord. If those Jewish people wanted to keep their traditions, and I I know some Messianic Jews today who follow very carefully Old Testament passages of Scripture. I think that's fine, as long as they don't mistake that for their acceptance with God, and as long as they don't say to other Christians, you have to do this in order to be a good Christian, accepted by the Lord. No, we're accepted on the basis of what Jesus did. And so we have to be careful. Listen to the Living Bible translation in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. For there is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth. But will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says They just simply won't listen. It's the Bible that we build our lives on, what the scriptures teach. And the Bible tells us that salvation is all of God. It's a free gift. So how am I going to safeguard my faith? Well, the first thing, I have to remember the basics. Second thing, is I have to avoid the extremes. In Paul's day, they were Judaizers. In our day, there are all sorts of aberrations of Christianity. All sorts of extremes. And when you take a truth and you take it to the extreme, you wind up having an error. When you take a truth and you push it to the extreme, you create a mistruth. Then, reproduce the authentic. And briefly, I'll state the last point. Reproduce the authentic. In verse 3. For we are the true circumcision. He's saying that, really, they are the new Israel. They are the children of God. We are the true circumcision. Who worship in the Spirit of God. Who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And put no confidence in the flesh. First, the true circumcision. For where the real circumcision, the English Standard Version says. What he is saying there is, God was always concerned with the heart. Not merely the outward. He's always concerned that we be circumcised on the inside. That was a sign of the covenant. That was a sign that people belonged to the Lord and what God is looking for is inward circumcision where our hearts are right in Jeremiah 9 25 it says a time is coming says the Lord and I will punish all those who are circumcised in body but not in spirit God wants to know that our hearts are right with him that's the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 Jesus tells us that inwardly we have to be the right people not only outwardly observing the law and then true worship who worship by the Spirit of God true worship Our life should be an act of worship. Worship service doesn't end when we give the dismissal. It continues Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all through the week. Our worship is how we live out the truth of God's word. We're told in the Bible to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That's our act of worship. It's true worship. It's living out the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's obedience to Christ Christ. And then he says, true glory, true glory. Glory in Christ Jesus. The Spirit comes into our life so that we will exalt Jesus. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, lifts up Jesus. And in the believer's life, he's going to lift Jesus up. That's why you can't stop praising the Lord. That's why you can't stop giving him thanks. That's why you have a holy obsession with Christ. He is central. He is everything. I think of um, Charles Wesley who wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul. He says, Thou, O Christ, are all I want, more than all in thee I find. There's that divine obsession, that singular focus on Jesus Christ. And then, finally, the true confidence. He says, for we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That simply means you don't trust in your good works. You don't trust in what you do to earn favor with God. You always trust in the grace of God and in His wonderful gift of mercy. You never come to church thinking, okay, okay, God's going to receive my worship today because I gave my tithes. Well, we ought to bring our tithes, but God accepts us on the basis of grace and mercy. Well, I've been going to church Wednesday night and Sunday morning, and I even came one Sunday night. So, well, that's good. Do that. But your acceptance with God is based on Always and ultimately and only on the cross of Christ. What Jesus did for you, not what you have done for him. Now you ought to do things for him. You ought to work and serve and and, and, uh, do your very best. But that never becomes the basis of your confidence. Your confidence is this. Jesus died on the cross. He died for me. How do you safeguard your faith? will you safeguard it by really having the right inner attitude when you worship you're going to lift up the Lord you're going to magnify Him you're going to be circumcised in your heart you're going to put no confidence in the flesh you're going to glory in the Lord not in your accomplishments not in the things that you may do but in what He has done this morning as I bring the message to a close as I say finally which I mean finally I'm going to ask you this coming week use the safeguard that God has provided for you meditate in his word stay in the book and let God well this Christmas holiday you may go to the mall and you find out you just don't have quite as much money as you did last year and uh, You may go through some difficult things but keep rejoicing because the good news is God loves you. The good news is that He'll never leave you or forsake you. And then you just make sure that you don't let extreme teachings veer you off to the right or the left. Stay on the simple, basic things that we need to hear over and over again because that's a safeguard for our soul. That's the eternal truth and it doesn't change. And the more you know it, the more you want to hear it. The more you experience, the greater the depth you see within it. And just guard your life. Walk with the Lord. And you'll be one day arriving in your home, heaven above. Arriving and seeing the Savior. And you'll receive a welcome. All of heaven rejoicing that you've finished the race, that you've run the course, that you've completed.
0: Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.